Finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of Audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thank you again next week, and we'll be back to discuss a great... Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so good. So good until that last thank, sentence. Thank you again next week. <laughs> All right. everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joseph Drowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we're talking about Tyler from the All Ages comic book, Hero Bear, and The Kid. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am well. I've been heavy into planning my trip to Barcelona, and I'm excited to go to Barcelona. It's always nice to leave the country <laughs> when <laughs> it feels like it's falling down around us. <laughs> We're recording this pre-election, so we don't even know what we're talking about as far as when you guys are listening to this. But pre-election, oh my goodness, America, let's get our act together. Wow, um, <laughs> it's been quite a it's been quite a ride. Yes, uh, but hopefully, listeners, you're all uh, you are just enjoying uh, some post Thanksgiving relaxation as you listen to Hero Bear and the Kid, and our country is on a great course. I thought you were going to say post post apocalyptic. <laughs> so when people are listening to this they'll either be listening it'll either be post thanksgiving or post apocalypse potentially both there could be thanksgiving during the apocalypse (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay so uh hero bear and the kid Yes, uh, Mike Kunkel is the writer and artist behind this 2002 comic book series. It originally released five issues, and it's been collected into a trade paperback called Hero, Bear, and the Kid, The Inheritance. In the story, Tyler and his family move into his grandfather's old house after his grandfather passes away, and slowly, Tyler realizes that his grandfather had some secrets, including the fact that he owned a stuffed polar bear who could turn into a giant, talking, caped superhero bear. (laughs) I love that. That's a big secret, <laughs> Grandpa. That is a big secret. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, how did you first come to Hero Bear and the Kid, Todd? Well, uh, it arrived in uh, in the mail on Tuesday, and I read it this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> For and... me, it was... Uh... I had mentioned to former guest of the podcast, John, my brother, who was on our Nausicaa and our... Um, what was our other Miyazaki Spirited comic done? Spirited Away episodes. And I mentioned to him that I didn't know what comic book we should do in you know as we're heading into the holiday season, post Thanksgiving, something a little bit uh, festive. And he said, "Oh, here we are on the kid." And last time he visited, he left his copy for me to read, and I picked it up and read it. I said, "That's the one we'll be doing <laughs> for <laughs> for uh, the holiday season." Yes. Well. <laughs> I don't know if you and I had the conversation about the holidays before I read this, but I was surprised <laughs> at a, a, a certain turn that we yes. discuss. Does not start feeling like the most holiday-oriented comic book ever made. No. Certainly does end that way, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, we would just remind you uh, that today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash protagonist where over 180,000 titles await you for your mp3 listening device whatever it may be 
Some trivia about Hero Bear and the Kid. This comic book won the Eisner Award, which again, for our listeners, is kind of the comic book world's equivalent of the Academy Award. It won the Eisner Award for Best Title for Younger Readers slash Best Comics Publication for a Younger Audience in both 2002 and 2003. So they only released five issues, but it straddled two different years, but it won the award <laughs> for both years. That's how well regarded this one was. Uh, a second series called Hero Bear and the Kid Saving Time uh, was published in 2014. And Kunkel, the artist, has worked in animation, which definitely shows in his art style. Um, He has worked for Warner Brothers, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Sony Entertainment, Universal Pictures, and Walt Disney Studios. So, (laughs) Has he missed any? Uh, I don't see Pixar in there. Come on. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, he, uh, he seems to have quite the side career outside of his occasional releasing of Hero Bear and the Kid as a professional animator. He is a really good artist. <laughs> yes, I love the artistic style. And if you ever look at this, we'll, we'll have some images in the show notes. It looks like it's, um, and it, you know, just from classic animation. Not uh, like uh, right now, it seems like a lot of animated cartoons are going for kind of a, a cruder style, like, um, yes. a, like boxier, harder edges. This is um, like the classic soft flowing style of animation. Yeah, it's, it's, I want to say, I don't even know what it, it, it reminds me of um, old Disney stuff that I watched when I was a kid that were like, like Disney supplemental kind of things. Not like, like the Disney shorts. Yeah. Not full length, not full length Disney films, but like. Oh, there was one that was about like being safe in the water. Some little cartoon that we <laughs> used to watch. <laughs> and this, the the style of this totally reminds me. If I can find that on YouTube, I'll post it. But um, the style of this kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, so before we get into a full spoiler synopsis, we just one more time. Another way that you can help support us is by taking advantage of great deals on Amazon uh, by going to protagonistpodcast.com slash deals or by just making your purchases through protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. We are post Thanksgiving now, and my belief is that many people are going to be making some Amazon purchases they haven't already and we just ask that if you do that please go to protagonistpodcast.com slash amazon and that is also where you can find a copy of hero bear and the kid for a purchase and we'll have a link directly to that one in our show notes as well all right todd why don't you just go ahead and give us the full synopsis spoilers for any listeners who are planning to purchase this you might want to pause this until you've obtained the comic and read it but for everyone else here we go okay chapter one tyler is 10 years old when his grandfather who was a mysterious but generous man that everyone loved dies Tyler's parents inherit Grandfather's house, while Tyler's sister Katie inherits a robotic toy top. Tyler is disappointed to see that he has inherited a small stuffed polar bear. At 10 years old, he feels a bit mature for such a gift, and he tries to forget about it, but the bear just stares at him uh, at night when he's trying to go to sleep. Uh, The next day, Tyler is late for his new school. He falls madly in like with a cute little girl from his class, and when sister Katie brings the stuffed bear to school... He gets made fun of and beaten up by some bullies whose last name is Bullio. <laughs> They're three brothers. Uh, when Tyler yells at the bear for getting into this mess, so he's like mad uh, and he's yelling at this stuffed bear, then the, the bear's nose starts to blink and then it grows up, it flies into the air, and it turns into a full-size, 10-foot-tall, bipedal polar bear complete with a super, a red super cape. Chapter 2. Which... 
It's worth noting, uh, I don't think we said this, the art is black and white except for... The cape. The, the cape. Yes. So all you have is gray tones on the page except for this one bright red cape. So cool. Okay, chapter two. Tyler wakes up in the school nurse's office. Her name is Mrs. Flabenstein. Uh, she is kind to him. Uh, the bear has turned back into a stuffed bear. Nobody seems to have noticed that it turned into a giant, 10-foot-tall superhero bear. Tyler sees the pretty girl uh, again. Her name is Vanessa. She's kind to him also. Unfortunately, Tyler misses the bus uh, and is chased home by the same bullies that bothered him earlier. When he gets to his room, he decides to kind of study the bear. So he gets home. He goes to his room, and he's kind of trying to check out this bear. Then little sister Katie barges in, and she sees Tyler rub the bear's nose, and then the bear once again turns into a 10-foot-tall giant living bear. Uh, who introduces himself as Hero Bear. As they confers, Tyler finds out that his grandfather had made Hero Bear. So Hero Bear says, yes, your grandfather made me. Uh, And then just then, Tyler's grandfather's watch starts beeping. So he actually received two gifts. One is the bear, and the other one is this watch that doesn't seem to tell the right time. The watch starts beeping, and Hero Bear says that they have to leave on an adventure. So then Tyler gets this fantastic grin on his face, and he runs into the closet to change into a costume, and they fly out the window, leaving Katie behind. Chapter 3. Hero Bear and the Kid, that's what Tyler is calling himself when he's dressed in his cowboy boots, shorts, t-shirt, rubber cleaning gloves, and swimming goggles. Uh, they fly into town where they find a giant robot called X5. Well, uh, while Hero Bear does the fighting, the Kid just kind of watches and signs autographs for the crowd. <laughs> and muses on what it means to be a hero. When the fight ends and everyone is safe, X5 uh, is able to escape, um, and Hero Bear and the kid make it back to the house uh, safely. So they kind of s- basically scare off the robot, and then they f- and then they fly home. Then Hero Bear turns back into a toy, and Tyler finds a note poking out of a tear in one of the seams. And the letter is addressed to, uh, to Tyler, but the rest of the the rest of the page is blank. Um. And then when X5 returns, like, so he, he, X5 flies away, and then he returns to this old man who seems to be like a villain, and he watches a video of the fight and he recognizes Hero Bear. Chapter four. Uh, this chapter starts with the old bad guy telling his henchman that it's a very bad thing to see Hero Bear again and with the kid. Then we get Tyler at school. Uh, he daydreams about Vanessa and his science project, which he will be doing with his new friend Elmo. Uh, On the bus ride home, he decides to stay on the bus so he can see where Vanessa lives. This turns out to be a bad idea, since after she gets off, uh, only the bullios are on the bus. And they threaten him. He gets off the bus. They chase him. He hides and then pulls out Hero Bear and rubs the nose. And then Hero Bear comes to life and flies off, leaving Tyler alone. Then the bullies try to make a snowman out of Tyler, but Hero Bear flies in and chases them away. Uh, And that makes the whole thing worth it to Tyler. (laughs) he's totally okay being bait if the bullies get uh, chased off. It totally reminded me of Falcor in, uh, in the never ending story. Yes, I can see that <laughs> in my tarnished memories of the <laughs> terrifying never ending story. Scariest children's film ever made. One rule to live by never, never skip a never ending story reference when there is one to be made. <laughs> Uh, when or, he, or the alternate rule that I try to live by, never think about the never-ending story ever in your <laughs> life again. So when Tyler gets home, Henry the butler tells him that he found the note while he was cleaning his room. 
Uh, and Tyler says, well, it's just blank. And then Henry says, look closer. Uh, your grandfather never left anything undone. So Harry gets out a magnifying glass and he finds this hidden note uh, that leads him to a secret uh, secret study underneath his bedroom. And he takes Hero Bear down there, uh, the big Hero Bear. And, uh, and, he, and then Henry shows up and says, hello, Hero Bear. Nice to see you again. Chapter 5. It takes a minute for Tyler to realize that Henry and Hero Bear actually know each other. But that is not the biggest surprise of the evening because it turns out that Tyler's grandfather was Santa Claus. This, it turns out, is a beautiful Christmas story. I was shocked. <laughs> did not see this coming at all. I did not. I, 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 so I said, my brother John, when I asked him, like, what's a good Christmas comic book we could use for the holiday season? He, and he suggested this. I started reading it. I was like, I'm loving this, but I don't see the Christmas connection just yet. <laughs> I, I could not have been more surprised. Um... <laughs> Uh, Tyler, I mean, but, but imagine how Tyler must feel. You think you're surprised that Grandpa is Santa Claus. Imagine how Tyler must feel. He's totally floored, and he doesn't find himself able to believe what Henry and Hero Bear are telling him. They give him one last present from Grandfather, but Tyler only sees an empty box. So he opens up this present, and it's an empty box. And they tell him that sometimes you have to believe before you can see. Tyler doesn't get it. Uh, that night, he has more crazy dreams, and we see Von Klon, the bad guy. Uh, there's one one moment in this crazy dream that I love. It's the butler Henry, who was drawn <laughs> in the most English butlery way you can imagine an animator trying to draw an English butler, and he's pointing to a blackboard that just says Santa equals Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a little pointer stick out like he's a teacher. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, and then we see Von Klon, the bad guy, making plans to let X5 loose again tr- to try to trap uh, Hero Bear and the kid. So the next day, uh, that's exactly what uh, Von Klon does. Uh, but now Tyler has a plan to defeat the robot. He doesn't know how, he doesn't know it will work, but he believes that it will. And his plan is to pull the turnkey out of the back of X5, because X5 is this robot, uh, but he, it has a big, like, like a crank turnkey in the back. Uh, and this will, Tyler believes that this will make the robot unable to maintain its energy and eventually it will just run out of juice. So he and Hero Bear fight the robot and Tyler's plan works. Uh, and this gets him thinking about the idea of belief again. So that night he goes back down into his grandfather's secret study. And this time he wills himself to believe that, that his grandpa really is Santa Claus. And then Grandpa Santa Claus appears to him as a real person. It turns out the Clauses have a special ability to save up a bit of themselves. Uh, and so Santa tells Tyler that he is going to be the new Santa, the youngest ever. But that's okay because Santa has to be childlike anyway. So then they embrace. Santa tells Tyler he loves him, and then he disappears. And a now peaceful Tyler goes upstairs and thanks his grandpa in his heart for not leaving him alone. Then just before he goes to bed, he checks the pocket watch. Oh, and I didn't mention the pocket watch. Uh, it tells <laughs> – so when they're fighting a villain – uh, then they can check the pocket watch and it will tell them what percentage of good or bad uh, this this individual is. So, so X five is eighty five percent naughty. Eighty five percent bad. Slip of, of, a little slip of paper that says eighty five percent naughty. Which, when you're reading it, this is well before you find out that Santa Claus is any part of this. You just think that's yeah. You know, it, it somehow it does not trigger the idea that this is going to be related to Christmas at all. Yeah, it doesn't say naughty. It says bad and good. And I think that's maybe one of the. 
No, I, I, I'm looking at the naughty? page. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the page with the uh, the X5, and it says X5 colon 85% naughty. It does. The paper that prints out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hidden in plain sight. It's the Scarlet Pimpernel. And he, and he does it on the Bullios, too. And the Bullios are not as bad as X5. I can't remember what they're percentage 50, it They're 50-50. First, they're 60-40. <laughs> and, then they, and then it turns out they're, they're really 50-50. Um, okay. So, uh, so before he goes to bed, he checks the pocket watch. And it turns out, uh, it, it confirms what Tyler already believed, that Hero Bear is 100% good all of the time. And that's the end of what I... Uh, so that's, I'm going to say, the end. And then I'm going to ask you, do you want me to talk about the epilogues? Because there's two of them in my book. Oh, mine did not have epilogues. I, those must have been added in a later edition. Because okay. I know he did a couple one-shots. So why don't you go ahead and, this will be new to me. You can tell me about the epilogues. Okay, the epilogues um, I saw are he, very he seemed short. to have done a, a couple um, like one-shots during Free Comic Book Day, I think. Um, so they were uh, Free Comic Book Day uh, is once a year in the U.S. that publishers will put out free comic books and kids can go in and get them. First okay. Saturday every May. Yeah. Um, so th- those must have been added in a later edition. Okay. So the first epilogue is um, a story. So it's Henry, the butler, and he's writing in his journal, and it's the day of the funeral, of Grandpa's funeral. And he says, today I saw Von Klon. And then we get a flashback about how Von Klon, um, who – so he saw Von Klon at the funeral. Von Klon was there at Grandpa's funeral. And then we flash back, and we see Von Klon when he was young, and he had been a worker at the North Pole factory. Uh, but then he had become too ambitious, and he broke some rules. He tried to take over the North Pole factory and was banished. And that's how Von oh, Klon became a villain. Taking over Santa's workshop is ambitious. Yes, too ambitious. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I don't know if it's actually written in the contract, do not try to take over Santa's factory, but... <laughs> But it was a violation. It was certainly a violation, and he was banned. And in in, in his banishment, he was told that he will never be able to find uh, the factory again. So that's epilogue one. And then epilogue two is a very short series of panels in which Tyler just expresses how much he loves Hero Bear and how grateful he is for his, his friendship and how much oh, okay. he loves flying around on him. It's just a sweet like uh, three, or four, three or four pages of him saying, I have the best friend in the world. And that's the end. Okay. Well, thank you for the summary, Todd. Great job. All right. First thing I want us to talk about is the art. We already touched on this a little bit. And yeah, it's it's so good, but it's quite unique. So to try to describe this for our listeners, it's, again, think like classic animation style, but he hasn't erased the uh, the construction lines. Right, the guidelines. Uh, Yeah. So when he's doing the framework for where the characters are going to be as he's sketching it all out, he doesn't erase all those. Like, so it, it feels in some ways a little bit unfinished, but it doesn't read as unfinished. Like this is clearly the stylistic choice of, of how he's doing it. But like, if you're analyzing it, it feels like all the cleanup that you typically see for artwork hasn't, hasn't been done. Yeah. It's just a tiny bit. It's a tiny bit rough. It feels like hand drawn and artisanal sort of, (laughs) it's like a hipster's comic book. (laughs) Uh, but it's awesome. It's uh, and I've been I've been really into drawing lately and like watching YouTube videos uh, about drawing and you know practicing drawing on my own. And I just I so appreciated the the skill. It's such a great style. <laughs> really like it. 
Todd, I will say, if you enjoy that, if you go onto uh, Facebook, if you search Hero Bear and the Kid, there's an official Hero Bear and the Kid uh, page on Facebook uh-huh. that I looked at today as I was gathering some trivia. And uh, he just posted a video of him doing Hero Bear sketches on a new, uh, I think it's called Procreate, which is uh, an yes, app that I've seen. That's the app that I it. use on my iPad Pro. It's awesome. Well, he has some, uh, it's, it's only like a one minute video, but it shows how he just does a quick sketch of Hero Bear on Procreate. Oh, awesome. There's a, at the end of the book that I have, there's a, a picture of a napkin and Hero Bear is drawn on it. And then there's an arrow pointing to it and it says, I can't help scribbling Hero Bear no matter where I am. <laughs> and it just, I think it's so, I think it's so interesting that he, he's able to maintain kind of the roughness of this, of the like the hand drawn sketches, without it feeling like really rough, it feels polished, but it looks like three quarters of the way done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know I how to explain say, it. And uh, we can table the discussion about uh, um, of the story I'm about to say, but I think both the story and the art is deceptively simple. Yes, because um, it looks. Like the, because you see those construction lines still, you see the you know the the outlines of these characters and everything. It feels a little unfinished. Like the the background, and I'm I'm looking at an image of Hero Bear. Like it's a Hero Shop splash page of Hero Bear hovering over the bully kids, and the background skyline is literally just an outline, like one line outline of a city skyline mm-hmm. in the background. So there's this kind of simplistic aspect to it. But there's really so much artistry that is going on and so much storytelling that's really amazing um, when you start to analyze how he's doing his panel layouts and how he's adding motion to the characters and how he's uh, portraying emotion on the characters' faces. It's almost – it's kind of meta, like in that he's he's, he's dr- leaving the – like the, the artifice aspect of it is right there in your right. face. He's drawing attention to the fact that this is – hey, man, I drew this by hand with a pencil on paper, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I think sometimes if you see like, Oh, like Cassidy's work or Quitely's work, uh, in comics or Alex Ross, or Alex Ross, they feel so polished. And those are also beautiful. I mean, those guys are amazing. <laughs> like I named those three cause they're like maybe the three best artists in comics. Um, I mean, they're really, really good, but the, they're so good that, um, it's like, Oh, there's this, uh, I don't, I don't know that Ortega and Gasset like made this up, but there's a Spanish philosopher who talks about art, and he says uh, art is like a window, and the window should be completely clean. So you <laughs> see straight through the, the medium, and all you see is you know, like the, the, the subject that you're writing about. So he was not a postmodernist. No. <laughs> no, but, uh, but in this, this case, it's like drawing attention to the window. And, and, um, and I think that that's some of what this artist is doing here. Yeah. So um, a couple of examples, if I can describe these well for our readers. Um, there's a scene where uh, Tyler misses the bus. And so he's, he's going to be late for school. And you see the bus driving away. And then right below the bus, you have a series of shrinking circles and inside each circle is Tyler like trying to run in the first one. And then you see his face realizing I'm not going to catch the bus. And then he's getting smaller and smaller <laughs> in each circle right below the still image of the bus. But somehow the combination of um, the reducing size of those and the, the emotion on Tyler's face uh, it's still image, but you feel the motion of the bus getting farther away, uh-huh. even it's though like it's actually Tyler shrinking. Yeah. Even though it's Tyler shrinking there, uh, you, you feel him looking at the bus getting smaller or you see yourself in the bus seeing him get smaller. It's, it's really cool. 
Yeah, my son picked this up. I just like I got it in the mail and I opened it up and it was sitting on my desk. And my ten year old son walked in and he opened it up and just started reading on his own. And he was just in stitches, like <laughs> like laugh out loud, belly laughing all by himself at this book. <laughs> he loved it. So yeah, we we've done a few all ages comic books. And this is uh, so we did Mouse Guard. That was definitely all ages. We did uh, Bone. That was an all ages one. Um, this is completely different from from either of those. I, I mean, all of those really have very distinct art styles happening mm-hmm. and kinds of stories. But I think they're all wonderful to like give any kid who is just looking for a good story to read. Absolutely, uh, I'd say Hero Bear, Mouse Guard, Bone. They're all wonderful for that. I can totally imagine Hero Bear becoming like a tradition in my house <laughs> at Christmas time. It's so good. Yeah. Um, there's another great page that I love that just kind of demonstrates a different style of comic book art than we typically see, where he's running from the Bullios, the three brothers. Mm-hmm. And you get this panel on the top left page of the bullies yelling, get him. And then you see Tyler running, and most of the page is actually like an overhead shot of a maze. Yes. <laughs> and he's he's running through the maze. And then at the very bottom of the page, you see the two lines that represent the Bullios and Tyler going in different directions. And the bottom of the page is Tyler sticking his head around a corner and seeing the Bullios run the wrong way. Uh, and the two arrows coming out of the maze, point, the bully one point out, you know, uh, where you're seeing them run down the street. And the one to Tyler is showing him, uh, you know, just ducking behind the corner. Yeah. And it's just um, kind of a unique use of of the comic book page, which really is like endlessly elastic. You could do anything on the comic book page. Um, but I've never seen anyone do anything exactly like this. Uh, it's really, like you said, it's deceptively sophisticated, I think. Mm-hmm. So when I, the first time that I saw hero bear, this the little stuffed bear, the first image that came into my mind was Calvin and Hobbes. Yes, and I, I thought think. for sure that this was a store. This was just a Calvin and Hobbes ripoff. Uh huh. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, but I think there's definitely that um, inspiration in mine. I think every single um, end of an issue, and I'm trying to remember, had yes, had like quotes from professionals. Uh, that work in the comic book industry in one way or another, um, just giving reviews, like you know, like back of the cover blurbs. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and more than one of them mentioned Calvin and Hobbes. Like, if you enjoy like the just the the innocent wonder of Calvin and Hobbes, you're gonna love Hero Bear and the Kid. Yeah, I, at first I I thought that he had just been dreaming, and the way that he sets it up, where um, where Tyler he's what happens? He sees the bear, but then he like passes out or something, and then uh-huh. he wakes up in the nurse's office, and you're like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> and you think that it's fake. And even the second time that he brings up Hero Bear and Katie's there and she's riding around on, on Hero uh, on Hero Bear's back, and I kept thinking like this is just the, in their imagination, like oh the the beauty and innocence of childhood, <laughs> and then it turns out like no, actually it's re- it's really real, and uh, and Hero Bear is a giant ten foot bear that his grandpa <laughs> made <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Um, did yours? Did your collection have? Um... Like at the end, did it have like some behind the scenes kind of sketches as he walks through the process of creating Hero Bear and the Kid? No, just a, I mean, just like maybe one page okay, with so, some rough sketches, but not. Right. Yeah, mine has a, a, like a good twenty pages of random sketches. Really? Stuff. Oh, I wish I had yours. And well, you I'll trade your you. Epilogues. You had the epilogues. <laughs> mine did not. You can have my epilogues. <laughs> um, but he has uh, that originally. Um, Hero Bear was like a classic teddy bear that turns into a grizzly bear. Really? 
Yeah, and he, he has a, a few variations as he was working through this idea. And he kind of, if I'm remembering right, it's been a little while since I read through these, I think he started drawing even a version of a, a kid who had a superhero teddy bear back when he was like 10 years old. Um, started to like work through some of these, if I'm remembering uh-huh. right. Um, but the when he's a grizzly bear, it's very different. Um, like it, it's, it feels more aggressive in some way. Uh-huh. And he talks about like the moment when he changed it to polar bears here. I'm going to read some, uh, I found the page where he starts switching it from a grizzly bear to a polar bear in the sketches. He says, I've loved polar bears since I was a kid. There's something noble about them. And how interesting that I only have two zoo photos from when I was younger and they're of polar bears. Yeah. For some reason I followed the path of hero bear being a teddy bear. So naturally he would change into a grizzly, but never felt quite right in the design. Then as if a switch was turned on, I found a design that seemed right. I think it's interesting that the date between the marker images on these two pages is only about three weeks. So there's one where he draws him as a grizzly bear and another as hmm. a polar bear. Uh, isn't art amazing? When you find the right design, it just happens naturally. I guess you could say the same about everything in life. When it's right, it should happen naturally. Was he always going to be, was Tyler always going to be Santa Claus's grandson? I don't know that he commented on that. or I don't remember. Because uh, it makes anything. sense. I mean, it, it, it just, everything clicks in that moment when you're like, oh, he's a polar bear and <laughs> he wears a bright red cape. Yeah. Yes, and the only other color that we get in the whole series is when Tyler's grandfather appears as Santa Claus, and, and the red suit the is red still suit. red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that scene. It's there's it's got a kind of a um, like Kal El Jor El feel to it. But I, I mean, I I can't say that I was like weeping as I read it, but it was so sweet. Like it was very touching when yes. the grandpa shows up and talks to him. Yeah, and. Um... No, I, I agree. There's there's emotion in there that I had enjoyed the first four issues, but the fifth issue, when you get all this backstory and it gets into the theme of belief, mm-hmm. um, this this idea of believing, that's what elevated the series from this really beautiful artistic exercise and kind of a classic story to something that felt more, I guess, to me at least. It feels magical. I mean, <laughs> yes, I, I think if if I had you know maybe one word to describe this, I think I would say it's magical. <laughs> And I love that exploration of belief at the end. And I think that's where, for me, the narrative goes from being something that's, as I I said, the art was kind of deceptively simple, but there's quite a lot going on. I think the narrative at that point, it had been kind of simple where like these, these elements of a kid with a toy that can come to life and, you know, the little magic wonder of maybe imagination, maybe not for a little while. Um, like those can be very fun stories. And, and I think there are other versions of that story. I mean, we already talked about Calvin and Hobbes, both on this podcast and in this very episode as kind of a reference point for this. But when it starts to deal with that theme of belief, I think it digs into something more and elevates the entire story uh, to, to something that's still remains that kind of beautiful childlike wonder and magic, but is really delving into uh headier areas than we sometimes expect from our kids, uh, kids stories. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because you say that, but then I look back like chapter one, page one, and there's this beautiful um, – chi- it says childhood. What do you remember? For some, the memories can become hidden over the years, while for others, they can remain at the very edge of their thoughts. I remember those years when I was younger, how distinct the seasons were, when the end of one became the beginning of another, when spring turned into summer, which gave way to fall and then finished with winter, and it was on one particular winter season that I encountered my biggest beginning – from a most difficult ending. I think, man, that is beautiful. 
<laughs> and then the next and then the next page, Christmas. It was my grandfather's funeral, and then he goes through talks about oh, and talks about the funeral, and then um, he talks about how. Nobody he, – he says, what do you say when someone dies? And then he talks about his dad pulled out a dictionary and, and ripped – tore out a word and then passed the book around. And they're dropping words from the dictionary into this jar. Um, and he says, they each tore a word out of the dictionary and placed it in a jar. I learned more about my grandpa that day than I had ever known, and hardly a word was spoken. My word was generous, for though I would pass him, uh, I certainly – for the, I would miss him. I certainly wouldn't forget him. For to each of us, he left something to remember him by. That's beautiful, poetic, and, mature uh, storytelling. I think. Yes, and you're, and you're dealing with uh, you know death as your main subject matter for the opening pages of the story. Yeah, and and like it introduces the element of um, Christmas and generosity. Like there are there are these clues that now as you go back and look, it's it's even more enjoyable on a second reading because you can see how he's been laying out breadcrumbs for you without you really paying attention or, or knowing. I mean, probably a smarter a smarter reader than me would say, oh, I totally knew that he was Santa Claus, but like I was shocked. <laughs> um, but now as I go back, it's like, oh, I can totally see it. And there's this beautiful use of language and the structure of the story and this exploration of death and the scene with the dictionary. That's all packed into two pages of and some of the simplest art in which Tyler's eyes are just little black dots um and it's awesome so so it is kind of like the story seems simple until at the very end it's like this all of the artifice or I don't know how to how to say this like all of the simplicity kind of falls away and you see this really uh deep exploration of the idea of belief but even when you go back to the beginning again you go oh this wasn't this wasn't really a simple story even from the beginning. It was it was I, complex and beautiful, but I didn't even realize it. And I think that speaks to the quality of the storytelling that's happening here. Absolutely. That, uh it holds up to that closer scrutiny and you you can see that depth more after you've seen the whole picture, but as you're being shown the whole picture, like the reveals come at the right moment and it's only afterwards that you can look back and say, "Oh, the, he was already hinting." It begins uh, with this. All these things. It begins with this beautiful exploration of memory and childhood, and a and a amazing beginning coming from a difficult ending, uh, and then in the middle you get this uh, when when Hero Bear's fighting X Five the first time. There's this really cool kind of musings on what it means to be a hero, and then finally the the question of belief at the end. Yeah. Um, so I was just looking at some of these quotes from other comic book creators. Mm -hmm. And I think this fits very well with what you just said. Uh, this is from uh, an artist uh, named Courtney Huddleston. And she said, as a fellow creator, when I read other books, it makes me want to be a better storyteller. When I read Hero Bear, it makes me want to be a better person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and let, I'm just gonna read a couple of, because these are all good, good quotes that I think say a lot of what we're, we're getting at. Uh, and, and it's very direct. Um, Terry Moore, um, it says, Hero Bear is a visual hug, warm, cuddly, and reassuring to grown-up children that. everywhere. <laughs> that's so good. It yeah. really does feel like that. It's so – and that's why I say, like, I can totally see this becoming a holiday tradition for, for me and hopefully for some listeners. But, man, it just feels like that warm, like, bundle up, have a nice warm, like, a hot chocolate and – it's it feels like a hug. I love that. 
All right, and this is the last one I'll read right now. I could probably just flip through and read all these, but this is from Jennifer M. Contino. It says, Mike Kunkel is going after the disillusioned audience of today, not with biting ironies and witty sarcastic observations of modern life, but with a fantastical tale of wonder and magic that's geared toward winning over even the most jaded reader. (laughs) And I think that's um, one thing I really like about this is it doesn't feel dated, but it feels timeless, whereas some things like the postmodern, very you know, ironic style of storytelling, which I can enjoy. Um, This, this doesn't have that. It kind of cuts through a lot of the most, you know, the contemporary storytelling that would have been going on in the late nineties and early two thousands when he was doing this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the nineties were kind of the height of the ironic (laughs) mode of storytelling. And as we're entering the two thousands, you're getting into more of the, I mean, you still have kind of the observational humor as the kind of uh, comedy that a lot of standups were doing at the time. And this is none of that. Um, it, it it, but because of that, I think it does feel timeless. Yeah. So each chapter begins. The first page of each chapter is like a one page kind of musing. So that first one was about childhood and memory. Chapter two begins with a discussion of dreaming. Chapter three begins with a discussion of uh, what it means to be a hero. Chapter four is uh, discovery, and then chapter five is belief. And I, I don't know if you'll indulge me. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it says uh, belief, and then we have this quote from Luke Skywalker and uh, Yoda. It says, "I don't believe it," and then Yoda, uh, Luke Skywalker says, "I don't believe it," and then he says, uh, "Yoda says that is why you fail." And then Tyler says, "As we grow up, why is it so hard for us to believe in things we haven't seen? And yet, when we are kids, don't we make wishes on stars and birthday candles? Don't we write letters to the North Pole? Don't we close our eyes at night and pray for those in need? We do it because we believe, because we have faith." Now, some say that you are too innocent to know any better when you are young. Some say you are simply naive. I think it comes down to being real, trusting, and simply having belief purely in your heart. But what exactly is that belief? You can't hold it. You can't see it. But in your heart, you can feel it, sense it, and know that it exists. Yet what do you actually know to exist? For I've come to realize that the idea of belief seems to require a little belief in itself. And you see him, so there's an image of him blowing out birthday candles, an image of him writing a letter to the North Pole, and an image of him kneeling down by his bed praying at night. And, like, that that kind of, like, w- eyes wide open, just wonder and tenderness, and I, I agree, it, it's not something that we see in comics all the time, or in storytelling in general, especially not like award-winning, <laughs> you know, something this yeah. sophisticated uh, and well done can also just be like pure. Um, <laughs> it's like hero bear is 100% goodness all the time. And this book is 100% goodness all the time. <laughs> um, so in the past, Todd, we, we've mentioned nostalgia a couple times uh-huh. uh, and, and uh, things that make us kind of yearn for different phases of our life that have passed. I think you've generally, I can't remember who it is you quote, but you talk about like the true root of nostalgia is, um, it's Nostos, it's return. Yeah. yeah. And that, that can be kind of a, and actually like a negative impact. Nostalgia can kind of be debilitating to yearn for something that is unequivocally past. You, you are never going to be able to actually return to that moment. Right. But I think there's something pleasurable in the nostalgia that a story like hero bear does, uh, or, or elicits in like this, this fondness for childhood and, like that um that monologue you just read about like the belief that is so natural at childhood i think there's an element of nostalgia in what is appealing about 
reading this kind of story and seeing uh, Tyler at that age going on this magical journey. Yes. Um, the best piece of writing that I know about nostalgia is from a book called uh, The Senses Still. It's by Nadia Saramatakis. And she discusses, she grew up in Greece, in like rural Greece, and she talks about uh, peaches and how the peaches taste and smell in Greece and this feeling of nostalgia that she has when she, um, when she eats a peach. Um, the, I, I see. Well, and I think Go ahead. like that, like the idea of the nostalgia that envelops her as she eats the peach that adds to her present experience with the peach. Yes. Right. That like her, yes, it's, it would taste the same whether she had that childhood or not, but it changes her, um, in, like her experience of eating the peach in the present day is flavored by everything that she's experienced in the past. Yeah, but there is also this uh, sense of loss because um, because of like genetically modif- genetic modification and stuff. Uh, the peaches today just don't taste like they used to. Like you know, the, there's it's impossible for her to eat a peach that's exactly the same as the kind of peach that she had uh, when she was a child. And so there's this there's this kind of sadness and and desire, the sense of longing for a past that's that's not recoverable. I don't I don't know that I see that exactly in Hero Bear because because there is this kind of childlike wonder and innocence about it, but I don't think that the message is wouldn't it all be great if we could go back and be kids? It's wouldn't the world be better if we all retained if we could retain or remember or like go back but that's not an impossible task and the book the book itself talks about you know oh that's impossible and and being uh being careful about what we say is and is not possible and i wonder if if one of those things that we should be careful about just dismissing as impossible is maintaining a childlike some childlike attributes maybe not all of them right (laughs) certainly (laughs) certainly not all of them but some of them and especially we get in this final chapter especially the this ability to believe in something right yes uh and okay i'm gonna read one more of these pull quotes that appear at the back of each issue in my (laughs) copy uh this is from mike weringo who uh, sadly, he he died in 2007, and he, but he was an artist on Fantastic Four and one of my favorite runs of Fantastic Four. Um, and his art had a very clean kind of sense of wonder about it too. But he says in his quote, uh, and this is right after the last issue, so now we know like everything about Tyler and Santa Claus and all this. He says, as I'm approaching middle age, I've had a shift in my taste and attitude toward most comic books. I'm much more cynical and well bored with much of what's being done today. I feel as though I've lost much of that starry-eyed love I had for comics as a child. There's so much being done that gives me the that been there, seen that kind of feeling. But finding Hero Bear and the Kid has awakened old feelings of delight and excitement that I thought maybe I'd lost. From the first page, the first glance at Mike Kunkel's wonderful creation, I felt connected to his world. Hero Bear has a charm all its own. Mike's writing, his artwork, oh, that beautiful art of his, and the world he has created for Tyler and his giant cape-wearing polar bear buddy pulled me in immediately in a way that has only happened to me once or twice before since I became an adult and became a bit jaded about my chosen art form. It's a feeling I'm very happy to have back. So thank you, Mike, for Hero Bear and the Kid and for helping me find that childlike wonder for comics again. And 
I think it's funny that that's the second quote. I mean, I only did a few of these. That's the second one that specifically mentioned jaded and that this is something that's going to pierce the most jaded reader. I love that. Um, I, so well, uh, well, and I just real quick uh, to tie this back to the discussion we were having about nostalgia, what Mike uh, Wieringo is saying, isn't that, Oh, I wish I had, or, or, or I wish I was that again. He said, I'm glad I rediscovered it right now with this. Yeah. And felt, and I felt it anew uh, as an adult. And it let me kind of peel off some of the jaded nature that adults, we naturally build up as, as defense mechanisms or whatever, it, whatever it is, uh, kind of a cynicism about the world around us. So we were talking earlier when we started this recording about politics and the election coming up and, and the possible upcoming apocalypse and <laughs> the election is now passed. Well, yes, for as our a, listeners, it's passed. <laughs> right, right. Um, Last night, I I sat on my bed and watched on my iPad as the Chicago Cubs won the World Series <laughs> after a 108-year drought. And to see, like, those players rush out of the dugout. And did you guys, did you guys watch this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was... Like one of, the, one of the most beautiful things that I have seen in a very long time. It was so like, talk about childlike wonder. These guys looked like 10 year olds, just, just completely given over to the moment and the, and like the joy of, of that. And I thought of a, a friend of mine who is a huge Cubs fan and immediately sent him a message and just said, congratulations. And there was such a, a feeling of like, I don't I don't know what the word is to describe that feeling that I saw, but it's something akin to the feeling of reading Hero Bear and and what that that artist was describing in that quote, which is sometimes we forget that there really are just awesome, joyful, happy things that happen like winning the World Series after 108 years. And and it just like I, this may sound totally dumb, but I felt like hope renewed for the human race watching the World Series last night. I, I don't did. think that's completely dumb. So I've been re- like this morning. I just looked at videos of Chicago celebrating and was scrolling through like Twitter reactions that people had, and more than one was mentioning like this just feels good. I think there was even a CNN editorial that was called "America Needed This." about the Chicago Cubs uh, winning the World Series, that yes, it's just sports. And sports are not as significant as other things in the world. But at the same time, there is something powerful in the ability of sports to unite. Uh, There's something powerful in the ability of sports for, um, for cities and states and fan bases to create a sense of community that uh, in our increasingly fractured world, we often leave behind. Um, parts, you know, other things that would have given us that sense of community before. And we saw it on full display with Chicago Cubs fans celebrating. And it's not just the w- people who were celebrating. We There were um, photos of people going and like pouring drinks out on graves of lifelong Cubs fans who died before <laughs> they were able to see this. <laughs> or so uh, cool. I saw a video of, uh, or a photo of this. He, it was clearly an older man, but he was sitting listening to the radio broadcast next to a grave of his father. Um, wow. and so this guy was, uh, was older himself, but his, his father had been a lifelong Cubs fans and he was listening to the game seven on the radio at the, at the graveside of his father. And there's something 
like you like you were saying, it, it's it kind of like renews something about human connection uh, and the human spirit uh, and, and seeing that kind of outpouring, even though, yes, it's just sports. And even though this is just a comic book, Hero Bear and the Kid does some of that for me too. Yeah, and I loved uh, what one of those earlier quotes said, that like this makes you want to be a better person. And, and I totally agree. I mean, if, just having finished it, I'm like, I want to be a better I want to be a better person. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. Was, you know, like I just want to be better. I, I specifically, when you started saying, I was thinking, I want to be a better dad to my kid. Like I want to be able to give my kid, my, my my children, you know, the kind of inspiration that we see Tyler finding from his grandfather. There's this amazing. There's this beautiful scene that I, I has almost no importance to the story, except that I think it's totally central to the story, <laughs> where. <laughs> Uh, Tyler is talking to his dad about belief and his dad gets skipped. His dad doesn't know that his father was Santa Claus uh, because apparently this skips a generation. And, but Tyler's talking to his dad about belief and his dad tells him just, you know, kind of gives him some good, solid fatherly counsel about belief. And then they're going, I think they're going into dinner and, and Tyler climbs on his dad's back and his dad gives him a piggyback ride into dinner. And it's the same kind of imagery that we see when like Katie or Tyler are riding around in on hero bears back or in his arms. Um, and I think that there really is something kind of father there. There is a, a kind of a father connection throughout this book. That's kind of beautiful. And I thought, Oh, I want to go get my kids all a piggyback ride. <laughs> did you did you say no uh, i'm gonna be an adult right now <laughs> no well tonight they were all they were all asleep as i was reading that part but i did give my kids piggyback rides even before i did that so no okay tonight well, was then. tonight they did get piggyback rides well, actually one of them has to be t- taken down by her feet hanging upside down by her feet uh <laughs> so she did not want a piggyback ride but then she she thought better of that when the dog started trying to eat her face <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the bad guys real quick. <laughs> okay. Uh, the robot, I just want to say um, this, for me as a fan of both classic comic books and classic animation, seeing this robot made me so happy because it feels like, um, even as its own thing, it feels like an homage to a classic Fleischer Studio Superman uh, animated. The uh, I. It, what was it, Andrew? Do you remember the, the name of it? The Flying from Machines? The Machine Men? Flying oh, Machine Men? The Flying Machines. I gotta find the exact title of this episode. It is so great. And those are old <laughs> enough, you will find it on YouTube. But it, uh, so Fleischer Studios did the first animated versions of Superman, and it looks so much better than most of the animated versions we had up until the 90s. Like, when we get into the 60s and it's Filmation, Filmation, they could tell some interesting stories, but the the, the craft was not there. <laughs> the craft of the Fleischer stuff the, is amazing. The Fleischer, yeah, Studio Craft is, it holds up so well today. And there's one of the shorts, uh, I think they did 17 shorts, um, and uh, one of them has some fighting robots, and they 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 fly, and they look a lot like X51. Like X51 is a much more cartoony version of the ones in the Fleischer Studio uh, Supermans, but it it just feels like this is an artist who uh, not only is at the top of his game, but also knows the whole history of you know uh, of animation of superhero comics and animation and that blend that he's playing in right here. It reminded me of Iron Giant. Yes, and I think Iron Giant had some uh, a couple explicit homages to the 
the Fleischer Studio Superman. I mean, obviously, and, and Superman, Superman himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Giants, an excellent film. It is. It it needs to be on our list. We'll get it in there. <laughs> it also, I mean, it, it, and this is another like you look back and you think about the little the little to- the little toy robot thing that Katie gets mm-hmm. on like page three from her grandpa, her inheritance, and it's like. Oh, of course that came from Santa's workshop. And then you find out later in the epilogue that Von Klon had worked in Santa's workshop. And it's like, of course, of course, this robot with the giant like turnkey in the back. Of course, that came from Santa's workshop or from somebody, some evil genius who had been banned from Santa's workshop, but who had worked there. there it's I, I just love that that he the consistency of the storytelling without like revealing his hand. All right, hold on a second. I'm finding the the list of all the episode titles. Uh, where are, let's say, ah, oh, here we go. Uh, the mechanical monsters. Is that the one? I think so. Yeah. It's uh, on the nose. <laughs> yes. Now I love these old Fleischer studio ones, but uh, I'd say, I'd say that one and the Arctic giant are probably the best. Yes. Recognized. Uh, and some of the, a few of these are very, um, of their time when America was entering <laughs> World War II, because there's one called the Japatours. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, there's there's a couple that have maybe some problematic imagery of America's foes during the World War II era that you just need to contextualize with when these were being produced. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> we don't have to do that for Hero Bear the Kid. This one is timeless. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Todd, any final thoughts on uh, on Hero Bear and the Kid? I said it before. I'll say it again. This is magical, and I am so glad that I found it. It's a awesome story. Yeah, this is one of the things that I have been – as we've done this podcast now for over 100 episodes, um, I've been introduced to stories I don't think I ever would have been exposed to otherwise – and this is one of my favorite that I had no idea this, this was out there that it existed. Um, but it's one of my favorite stories that, that we've done, uh, for this podcast. I agree. It's, it's way, way high on the list for me. All right. Well, listeners, I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us and please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in iTunes and please leave us a review that really helps us out. And we are trying to get more reviews happening on iTunes. If you are a new listener, just a note about our back catalog, because uh, we see that many people go back and, and uh, download our earlier episodes. They're evergreen, so they should hold up, but we switched up our format a bit at episode 13. So the first dozen episodes or so are a bit meandering in terms of discussion and length. But if you did like this episode, you may want to go, check out um, those episodes that we referenced before uh, on Bone, which is, I think, episode number 70, uh, 78, and the episode on uh, Mouse Guard, which is earlier in our run, in the first uh, uh, 15 episodes or so, there's an episode on Mouse Guard. Uh, links to things that we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. That's also where you can find a list of all of our previous shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast, and we have really good conversations happening there with our listeners, and we'd love for you to, to like that page and uh, follow our post and react to them. If you would like to support the show financially, there are a few different ways that you can do that. 
You can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by clicking the support link on our homepage or just going directly to patreon.com slash protagonists. Thank you to all our patrons that make it possible for us to keep doing this podcast. All supporters on Patreon receive access to our special quick cast episodes, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films or discuss trailers for upcoming films. You can also go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon to make all of your Amazon purchases. Just a reminder, it looks exactly like regular Amazon and costs you nothing more, but we get a small kickback when you use protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. Uh, finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of Audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. So long. All right, so the, this evening, I had a football game on TV in my room. I'd gotten the boys in bed. I, sorry, Andrew, you're going to have to get this. This is a place <laughs> Got the boys in bed. I had a football game on the TV, and I ran and took a shower. And I come out of the shower and step into my bedroom, and my two-year-old is lying on the bed, and Paw Patrol, a Nickelodeon cartoon, is on the TV. <laughs> and I yelled down, Emily, did you turn on a show for Derek? And she's like, no, he's in bed. <laughs> and he was just laying back on, t- on the bed watching a Nickelodeon cartoon. I realized what had happened was uh, that like Paw Patrol is set to record on our timers. And so it must've just flipped over from the cultural ball game because uh. there was something else set to record. And he must've just heard Paw Patrol come on and he just climbed out of bed and came in and climbed up on the bed to watch. But that was about the fifth time I put him in bed was after I found him oh, watching Paw Patrol. <laughs>